Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email piercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, Metalheads, after going to a Rager, what's your ultimate go-to? Mine is totally pizza. So when Overload is playing or I'm promoting the Metal Forge Live showcases or the big goddamn metal show, I go to Pizza Donisi. Pizza Donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options, which is so totally fucking cool for all, all of it's It's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Hey, metalheads, you all hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the ultimate underground metal tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi. But they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson. And Finer Things Sundays. Located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street. Open 3 p.m. to 4 a.m. seven days a week. Get your asses out to the Mag Bar. Rock out. For 45 years in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They're open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week. Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, and at electricladyland420.com. Roll out. 
going on metalheads thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the metal forge my name is mark jackson and i am your host how the hell are you all doing this week thanksgiving week wow um can't believe uh the year is already almost done uh as i'm sitting here recording this on thanksgiving night i'm eating my buffalo chicken wrap from the local gas station and just kicking ass and like reflecting on the year and hanging out and watching some uh uh, next generation and seeing everybody's awesome posts about spending time with their families and their metal families and just whoever they wanted to spend time with and it's awesome because that's mo- what's more metal than that is uh, getting to spend time with the people that you want to spend it with and that fucking rips but anyways today's episode is with Jeff Becerra from Possessed fucking God damn, man, like, death metal royalty, in my opinion, you know, because they're in the whole, the Bay Area day back in the, in the early 80s, you know, with those bands, right, and it was such a rad fucking time, and yeah, seeing documentaries and such about it now, like, Get Thrashed and Murder in the Front Row, it was really fucking cool that they thought that people like Brian Lou and Rat Skates thought to document as much as they could, you know, back in the day. I think that's awesome. And, you know, I think with a lot of things, people don't do that. That's what I think I do, is might be in a podcast, might be in video, might be whatever, but I'm trying to document as much as I can. And, you know, having bands like Possessed on. And, you know, they, they kick ass, you know, because that's... Uh, everybody needs to check this band out. Because they are a forerunner in death metal in America. You know, you've got the, the Florida... We talk about it in the interview. Where, you know, there's the, the different dialects of death metal where you don't necessarily need to hyphenate, but, you know, Florida death is different than Kentucky death and New York death and uh, California death. They're all different, which is rad as fuck, because I think that is, you know, when you can speak the same language, but it's just, uh, like, a different dialect of it, and it's like that, where it would be, like, thrash, you know, different styles of thrash, you know, L.A. thrash versus East Bay versus New York, uh, Texas, 
and so on and so forth, and even overseas thrash like uh, uh, Creator and such. So, but that's that's a whole other story altogether, as Del Preston would say. But fuck yeah, you know. So I'm not gonna keep you all waiting this week. We're gonna go straight into the episode here. We're gonna play some Possessed. This is off their latest album in 2019. This is Omens. Oh 
metalheads, we are here this week on Black Fucking Friday uh, with Jeff Becerra from Possessed. It's Black Friday, Black Fucking Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? Dude, like, so fucking cool, man. Thank you for coming into the Metal Forge, and thank you for kicking fucking ass and doing oh, man, what you do, man. So, fucking, first off, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm just uh, getting ready for the tour, you know, and it's sneaking up on me. So I'm going over my set, but uh, in writing for the next album, I want to try to get that out as early as possible. I, I definitely got to get it out next year because, you know, with the pandemic set us behind, I'm like almost five years late on that that album, man. So I got to get it done. And so I've been writing the album and doing some vocal notes. And basically what my job is, is I just sit in my room and create shit. So it's pretty cool. Definitely. A lot of work. Now, do you still play uh, bass and stuff and write on on any I of that? I have my bass right here. Oh, awesome. Well, I, you know, because I know primarily you're just doing vocals now uh, with the band. Yeah, no, I, wrote, I wrote like 64.3% of the last album. So. <laughs> yeah, I write music. Yeah, I, so I, primarily. It, that's... I, that's like, that sounds very technical, really fast. 64.3%? Well, yeah, because that's how you get paid in royalties. Um, True. The, you know, okay. You get your album sales, which is a small portion, and the lion's share comes from writing credits. Yes. The way that works is 50% of the writing is lyrics, 50% is music. Mm -hmm. So me and Dan and Claudius and, and Bobby and, and the guys, we will write. And then we'll come to an agreement like, you know, it's fair that you wrote this percentage of the song. And then you have to put that all calculated in so that it comes out to, it, it really looks like 200% because it's like 100% is writing, 100% is music. And then right. that's how you get your royalties. And, you know, that's, oh, if you don't write, you, you don't get paid. I am definitely familiar with uh, having to file that shit through, uh, through the uh, performing rights agencies. So, and. But it's not, it's not like I'm going to go like, you know, put my, if I have a shitty song or a song that's not as good as dance or Claudius's, I'm not going to like insist that my music gets on there. It, it's not about money. It's about putting the best product out that you have on the album. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, about it's, the songs that matter the most and make the most difference because it's let's fucking face it, not everybody not writes be, bangers. You're not going to get rich. And, like, you know, you can argue over money, but then when it's gone, what do you got left? Like, fucked up friendships and a, a discombobulated band? You know, it doesn't matter. Like, when and it comes down to it, you know. Which is interesting, tour, too. Free anyway. <laughs> which is interesting, too, because, okay, I'm going to date myself here, because when Possessed started, it was the year I was born. So, I'm I'm 40, Okay. And oh, cool. so You're what's lucky. interesting with what you had just said is like when it, when you put the money about it first and everything is when, oh, when that's all gone, you just have nothing but fucked up friendships and what, what, do you, what else do you have to show? And it's so yeah. interesting that there are so many bands, especially from the LA scene and in, in the early eighties, you know, bands that, that, that still, that has affected to, to this day. You know, the well, band's you, you like, you can go all the you way up to like the Motley Cruise and shit is what I'm saying. It, it's a job. Like, okay, where it gets mixed up is because 
you're you're brothers. You're like a family. But then you put the mix into it and it gets political because people, you know, that I'm not like this. But a lot of people can't help say that, you know, I thought we were brothers, man. I need this money or I need that money. And they start spinning, you know, you have to separate the love and friendship and brotherhood from the business, yes. from the music. But but it's all that the main purpose is to entertain the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. You can never forget that, man. It, it's not about ego. It's about, well, basically, you know, the people pay good money to buy tickets so that you can entertain it. We're like the hired help, you know, and you go up there and you do the best job you can. And the end all and be all is to make people turn those frowns into smiles and, and make people rock out. And that's literally your job. If, if you're not doing that, then there's no sense at all in doing it. Dude, with shows and everything now, and because of what you say is it's all about the performance and it's all about entertaining your audience and your crowd and whoever shows up, whether it's their first time at a fucking possessed show or it's their first time at a fucking high spirit show, or it's the 50th time at either of their shows. It's yeah, yeah. all about what, you know, that connection. And I dig that. So yeah, people don't give a fuck about your problems, man. I just want to see the show. Yeah. Yeah. So as time has, has I, I mean, on, how hard is it? How hard is it whenever you only work a few months a year to come to work, get along, do your fucking job, and go home? Like if you can't do that, then yeah, you shouldn't be in a band. Yeah, you know? right. Really. And that's what a lot of people they just don't get that. A lot of people because you know we, we you, you've toured right, so yeah, it, it's it's fucking hard, man. It's it's hard work. It's exhausting, and so um. Yeah, you like, sleep in a fucking van most of the time. You, yeah, you you're sore. You do sleep, yeah. You eat like shit. Yeah, you, you eat party. like shit. You're sore. Fucking, you yeah. get into it with each other because you're smelling each other's shit. And, uh, yeah, it's true. And, People are hanging their dirty chores up or whatever. But you can't, you know, you can't, you can't be petty, man. You know, like if somebody, yeah, like... It, you just treat each other with respect. And, and like I say, it's like, you know, we're godless. Like, so we don't, we don't like, we don't have that horror than thou shit. We don't judge people. You know, I don't have that Christian judgment, you know? Right. So it's just like, it is what it is. Like, I, I like to live in a, a, a little place called like earth in reality. You know? <laughs> and like, if I'm being a dick, I know I'm being a dick. Like I, I'm not that deluded, you know? You can't be deluded. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, it's like the fucking thing where you just sit there and you know when people are picking at you and you're picking at yeah. them and you're just doing it just to fucking yeah, get a rise oh, out yeah. of fucking people. It starts, out, it starts out as a joke and then it gets to be not funny. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Pretty soon somebody's got to uh, bust his lip, you know. And, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's where you can't go. So, generally, generally though, man, it was so we're older. Like I'm 55 years old, you know, and my my guys are all veterans, but with the exception of uh, Chris, who's, but you know, you know, he's not young, young. But, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I think he's mid 30s, which is young to me. I, I, I have like uh, chunks of undigested red meat in my large intestine older than him, but <laughs> but no, but but he's like a fresh. We all get along, like yeah. We're all just happy. We're all just happy to be here. Like 
Well, it's, it's like, like um, he's at the, the he's awesome. at the fucking influence of your generation. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's an artist, you know what I mean? Like he's there for the craft too. But everybody's there for the craft. But what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, man, it's like the odds of being able to tour in a death metal band with any moniker of success are probably hundreds of thousands to one. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, and and so like, uh, and it's not like I know. I'm not the most fucking talented guy out there. It's just fucking blind luck, man. You know what I mean? Like a lot, you know, 90% of it's luck, you know? And so, um, so, it, you know, I never, I never like forget that, like, it's an honor to be out there. You know, I don't think my guys ever do either, man. Like right. uh, you should see, like my guys get so fucking hyped man, for the shows. They're just like, we got three more minutes. Let's play another song. Let's play another song. Bounce off the walls, you know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's infectious, man. These guys really, really love to play, and so do I, man. Like, it's, it's, you know, when you're up there, man, it's like, it's everything, man. For sure, yeah. it is, and it's just like the. That's what I love about it, and. So Sorry. I played a show a couple of weeks back and was completely blown away by the fucking the way the crowd got into it. And I immediate, and there was a guy standing in front of me who uh, performs in uh, in another band who filmed the entire show from my nice. like my perspective, and you know just seeing all this crazy shit go on. And I had this moment where fucking there's a scene in the Seattle fucking DVD from Metallica where Lars points out to the fucking crowd and he like yanks the camera around right. And I had yeah, yeah, that yeah. moment with him where I was like, "Fuck." Film them, not me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Fuck me. Film them. They're going nuts. Oh, dude. totally. I do that all the time. Like, like, cause I don't. I only watch movies. Like, I, I literally don't watch the news. No, nope. same read the paper. And, and you know, it's weird that because you know I was born in '68, and it's so funny because I'll watch the news like once every few years, you know, and, and it's only because like it'll be on like in an airport or like I'm on my way to somebody else somewhere else and there'll be a tv there i'll be like that's the same shit that was on last time it's just revolving characters mm -hmm. you know what I mean? like, it's the same news cycle over and over and over man right and it's like yeah man it's crazy like i i i just don't like normal life man it's, it's all about death metal man. <laughs> no no for sure and that's where it's at because you know this is my escape my point was that like my TV is literally the audience. I watch the audience and trip off them like I'm watching TV. Yeah. No, for real. Yeah. Uh, I, and I mean, mine's the occasional Star Trek episode. Uh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen all the old ones like a dozen times already. So. Right, right, right. So when, how has shows become different for you as you've gotten older? Point being, uh, the caveat with this is all ages shows versus twenty one and up. Uh, you know, I I kind of have a problem with the the twenty one and up shows because like uh, cause because that, you come from an era where every fucking show was an all ages show. Well, nobody cared. I mean, like when we went yeah. to Ruthie's, they did certain. They'd serve alcohol to everybody, no matter what. <laughs> right. And, and that's before, that's <laughs> before or not. drugs were bad. You know? That's before somebody told us that drugs were bad. You know? 
So like we didn't even think like I didn't think anything of it. You know yeah, I mean? like, fuck that bitch it, too, right? Yeah, but I just had some kid from Arizona say, "Man, he's like really, really disheartened." He's like, "Yeah, it's an all ages show. Can you come back and play?" And so I was talking to my agent. I'm like, "Well, I don't understand what the purpose of 21 and up. I guess it's a time thing or something." But these fucking laws are silly, man. They're like, they're they act like metalheads are going to go out and get in trouble or something. But you know, people are just trying to come to shows, like. Right. I feel like they're directed at us, you know, like it's some fucked up law. It's like the merch tax. It's some senseless laws that are just uh, slammed by some like Christian zealot. The, at the, the thing North with community. the thing with the merch tax bullshit with that shit is <laughs> somebody had an idea to fuck somebody over out of money and they told their fucking other fucking venue owner friend about it. And then they yeah, told yeah. their fucking venue owner friend about it. And it all yeah, became this fucking thing. And then whoever it was. It, it, hey. Kids are so, uh, kids want to play. So they'll play for so low and they'll give away their merch. And yep. yeah, it's up to us as a community. Like me on my rider, I say no merch tax. Like if you won't possess the play, you're not taking my merch. If not, I'll just find somebody that, you know, wants me to play. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just had a, an episode back earlier in the year with uh, Tom Jordan of a band called 20 Watt Tombstone. And he has a very, you know, his business mind on the whole deal as well is super fucking top notch. And he, it's very informative. So if if you're listening to the archives, check that out, too. <laughs> well, well, it only works the merch tax, boycotting the merch tax, which is what we should all be doing. It only works if everybody does it. Exactly. Like if somebody's if somebody's ratting us out, then they're just going to be like, it's a scumbag move to say like, oh well, you know, if they're not going to um, do it, we'll do it. You know what I mean? Oh, and that's for how sure. People are like, yeah, but you know, it's like to me, it's like um, as a metal community, I think that it's possible that we're tiny enough where people would just be like, fuck that. Of course, on like the bigger shows, you know, like I'm not going to name like the giant shows, mm -hmm. you know, like. Like then you have to pay it because that's just the way it is. Because they'll be like, they'll drop you like a hot rock, you know. Because mm -hmm. people are dying to get on those things. You know? Oh, and people and, and are these, paying their ass off to get on those things. That that's true. And if you see like many of the big big bands, because Possessed is a little band, like the big big bands, you know, like the big metal bands, those opening acts are paying to be on that tour. So yeah, and yeah. and you gotta ask, you know, is it? It's it's all in what you want, I guess. Do you want to be that big name at the top of that flyer, or is there even a? That's where I'm torn. In, in you know, now that I've hit my forties, <laughs> is like, yeah. do I want to be that big name on the flyer, or is it even possible to be that big name on the flyer? Because oh, you you definitely you definitely want to be the big name. <laughs> you, you do. Like, I mean, usually possess headlines except for the big festivals. And, and it's night and day. Like when you're in a man, everything's cool. You know, they treat you like a prince. When you're the opening, everything's a little less. You know, and mm -hmm. you, it, it's like when you drink good wine, it's hard to go back to ripple. You know what I mean? Right. Because it just makes everything just a little easier. It's never easier, but it's just cooler. You know what I mean? Like for sure. Like, uh, I, but but that, that sounds so snobby, but it's just good. Like we we played the Wacken. It wasn't the main main stage, but it was the second main stage. 
I was like, wow, man, like, I guess this is it, like, right, you know? And uh, and you're like, um, well, what next, right? Like, and it, it's funny how, how quick you get used to it, you know? And But I don't know what my point is, is just you work your entire life to get to the show, you know what I mean? Right, and, so, and now that you're so, actually you know, there. I call them RSS moments, they don't happen often, but it's like rock star shit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like every once in a while, you know, you get the RSS, that rock star shit, and you're like, man, that's cool. You know what and I mean? And I think that's like, what the, happened to me at the last weekend. We did a little weekend deal. You know, we did a couple of shows back to back, and it was an RSS moment because it was just like everything flowed super fucking cool. You know, uh, thanks to uh, a very dear personal friend, she hooked us up with a hotel. Um, so it was like, it, it was so fucking great. And it's great to have those days. You have to embrace it. Like a lot of big bands, I'm not going to name the bands. No, for sure. Bands like that don't like thrash or punk or or stuff like that. They'll they'll get like really snobby and it'll become so much like a job. Like they just take it like for granted. Like I never, ever like take it for granted because if you don't embrace the little things, then everything just becomes secondary. Like it just becomes rote mechanical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so like it's it, it just, it's weird. It's weird that you could sit in your room and take a little three quarter scale guitar and write some music. And then they put it on like this plastic disc. And then like people like say they love you, you know, like from your room. That's so bizarre, man. That whole, like, how does that even happen? It's like, like pulling a rabbit out of the hat. You know what I mean? Like, well, and so, abs- yes, it's, it is, it's a beautiful thing. And okay. So it's so fucking wild that you mentioned that because I had this moment yesterday where I went to a shop, one of the sponsors to, you know, to do the thing. And I love them. Uh, and I'll go, totally give them a shout out, uh, Electric Ladyland, uh, love oh, nice, nice. and and um, so I picked up a couple of fucking CDs when I was in there, you know, yeah, and uh, I'm doing what I call uh, an unsleeved uh, episode on on the purchases. So, but I picked up this album if you can see it uh, by a you know. Another I couldn't calendar. see it. What is it? Uh, it was uh, one of these nights. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. And so, take it to the limit. Can, can I just can I just interject for a second? Sure. Like I'm not trying to. I I know that you know this, but I just want to take just a, a, a small caveat for the a disclaimer for the audience here. When we talk about the RSS moments, we're not talking about like grandiose. Oh no. no. Things. We're talking about like. A twelve pack of beer in the backstage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not talking about like. I'm talking like and, even fucking and, and gold seeing a fucking seeing a fucking kid headbang. <laughs> that's yeah, my yeah, rock yeah, star yeah, moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. so, death metal is definitely not bougie. No, God, no. So no. the the artistry really fucking hit me like a ton of bricks with that yesterday, because we were, you know, how we were talking about how it's the, the the rock star shit moments and things where you could totally yeah, take, you could totally take 
this fucking like immediate blank fucking canvas and how fucking people could sit there and fucking listen to it on this and say, Oh my God, I fucking love you. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was listening to Take It to the Limit. Yeah. I was, yeah, that, the song that, Take that, It that, to that, the Limit that. is four minutes and 45 seconds. And the outro oh, yeah. to the song starts at three minutes in. Nice, nice. And it's like, and it made me immediately think of like uh, the the song Overkill by Motorhead. Uh, I love that song. Uh, fuck, right. And that does the same thing where it the outro starts like two minutes into the song and it goes for like two and a half minutes. And why do we keep doing that? People fucking hate intros and outros, but but we love to do it. So. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> I, Whether you're the, I mean, you're the top name on the flyer. I mean, okay, not people, but radio stations hate them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, with me, like if there's too long of an intro, even on my own songs, I'll skip over it. <laughs> you know? But but it's because you know the first time that they listen to it, it's the lead up. You know what I mean? Right. It's like that. It's like yeah. And so I like that. Though. I I like the whole like the uh, what is it the, the opera of it, the whole showmanship. I, I don't know. I just like and possess has always been a kind of intro outro yeah. band. You know. And, same thing with my it, band. Yeah, I mean, I same thing with my band. I don't know if it's band. time to change it. I don't I think it's time to change. It, we're very slow to change in that, too. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, let me ask you this. When, when the band was, don't want to say necessarily done, and then now it's 2007, what was the genesis of getting back together, doing something again? Well, I mean, uh, let me see. I told this so many times, but let me let me think here. I um, I well, I got shot, you right. know, and uh, twice, and then I had those five dark years where I basically just sat. I had a little house. Well, I was homeless. I lived in a homeless shelter right after I got out of the hospital, and then I uh, saved up enough money and sold dope in order to get a house. And then I got a house and I just kind of sat my house, like not dealing with the whole thing very well at all and uh, drinking and drugging and playing my bass and my guitar and keyboards and uh, writing. And just, I just basically played music and, and was like in this drug fueled depravity by myself for five years. And then one day I was just like, fuck man, like, I kept getting all these letters, like hundreds of letters. That's when people still wrote letters. I didn't even have a computer. Saying, you know, bring back possessed. And and I was like, man, you know, yeah, I, I, I just don't, like, if you're dying of thirst in the desert, you're not writing poetry, right? You, you just don't have it in you. You're thinking I need water, right? And so one day I just bought a fifth of whiskey, uh, some Kessers, oh. which was like seven bucks. But that was a lot of money for me back then. And I went out. Onto, I'm very lonely. I'm all by myself in this house. I go, I have my Harley parked in the dining room. My silverware drawers are snap on tools, you know. Right. <laughs> my whole wall is covered with an Iron Maiden poster, you know. And, uh, and I go out and the sun kind of broke through the clouds. I was like, fuck this. And I smashed the bottle and I rolled all the way down to the local community college 
and they, you know, by the grace of Satan or whatever, they said, you got to go down to um, the social worker named Della Reese, and I had to take an IQ test, still coming down and all fucked up. I guess I passed that. They waived my tuition. I went to college and got my self-esteem back. I just made all straight A's. I was, uh, I was Alpha Gamma Sigma in junior college. I graduated you know, straight A's, one of 20 gold robes. And then I went on to San Francisco State University where I was the president of my class and the webmaster. And uh, also I was on uh, the Golden Key Honor Society with like Nobel laureates and President Clinton's on it. And I got my self-esteem back. And that was like the band. You know what I mean? But Holy then, fuck, man. I, I, fell, I fell in love. I fell in love. And so I put that, I always wanted to have kids and do the family thing. So everything's on the back burner, but that, that pinhole light's still there. Like I know in the back of my head it's going to happen. But I went to work for um, a hospital and HMO, an HMO and I, I was uh, you know, representing uh, like uh, the union, you know, the health union, healthcare workers union. And I did that for like uh, a decade or 13 years or something. And then um, uh, my kids, I got a divorce and amicably. And uh, we made a grip of money because we sold the house right before the bubble popped. And that's when they were jacking the mortgages up. Mm -hmm. you know? And they were like, this house I bought for like $130,000. They, they were saying it's worth like a million dollars, right? So we sold. And two weeks later, it was back to 130000 You know, that whole fucked up bank debacle. And so I kind of got over, and I was like, fuck it. I'm getting the band back together. You know, like I'm I'm single again. Uh, I got a little money. And so I was working and doing the band. And um, I kind of just kind of morphed slowly out. Well, then I got sick. But I did the band until I got sick. I did like nine months in a hospital. I almost died. Right. And then I did like 13 years bedridden. And then, but, and that what I would do is I would tour for like a month and then I would recover for like six months because I had all these pressure sores. And I did that for years and years from 2007 until, uh, until I got uh, COVID actually saved my life. I'm, I'm not trying to be too grim. It's actually a good story because uh, um, I couldn't afford the surgery. But then when COVID hit, in the state over from me, Nevada, they, they like said it's no longer because they were looking at the skin flap surgery as uh, where they basically cut open your back and pull the skin together and, and staple it up like Frankenstein, where they cut a big hole and they grind down the bones. You know, they cut the meat all the way to the bone. They grind down the bones. They cut these two horseshoes and they scooch them together and staple them all up. Oh, and wow. so they, they, they said they covered that. So I found out on a Tuesday, I would have been dead within probably six months to a year because the pressure short was so bad. At one point, it was like the size of a football and like that deep, you know. You, my spine like snapped and bones were shearing off. And so I got the surgery and then that's when, you know, that that's got me to that point. But it was very rough from 2007 till, you know, three, three, three years ago. It was like, I didn't know if I was going to live or die, but I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep playing until, you know, what What a better, to die on the road would be the best way to go anyway. So, but luckily I got that surgery and now I'm, you know, making a, a earnest run at it again. 
but I never really stopped from 2007. But now I don't have to worry about all that health shit. I still have health problems, but not like that. You know what I mean? Definitely. So, yeah, and I remember. So I'm ready to go now. I'm fired up. Like I'm ready to go. Like I, I just want to tour till I fucking die. Like I never want to do. Eat. I never want to come home off tour. If I could go on tour and never come home again, I would. So. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> See, and that's that's awesome right there. And I fucking a hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> If I could do that as well, I fucking would. I mean, of course, you know, I'm a cat person, and I'd have to have my, my two cats with me because I would miss those but motherfuckers. But you already got a bus. Bring them on the bus. Yep, exactly. I I do I would do miss those motherfuckers. So, so fuck yeah, yeah do man. You trust them all? Uh, do you, what, what's do you that? trust your cats? you trust your cats, though? Do, do I trust my cats? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I caught my cat embezzling from me, <laughs> they would go out to the mailbox pick up my check go down to the bank dress as me with a little kitty wheelchair little cat eye patch <laughs> I would have never, never found out I went out to his little cat house he had $2,000 worth of fucking cat toys right? oh so, shit man D- dude did he you probably found out because of the cat print and the pomade right that's true. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No, I, I, I have two little dogs, Ozzy and Molly. But, I had a, do- uh, I had a yeah. dog named Ozzy one time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I, a lot of people have dogs named Ozzy. Yep. Uh, mine was a little pug, actually named after Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> I have Ozzy after Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy yep. Becerra, and I have uh, Molly after Molly Hatchet, so Ozzy and Molly. And they're Pika shits. They're Pika shits. Uh, Peaky. Oh wait, hold on. They're Shih Tzus and Pekingese, right? Mixed. Right. Peaky shits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Totally My- untrained, undisciplined. They bite people. They fucking just run around do whatever the fuck they want. And I love them. You know, they're great. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Uh, mine was a pug. Pugs are cool. Yeah, and you know we got him because uh, somebody like like dropped him off and they and they showed up at my brother's house and i was like fuck dude who would do that and he was a great dog super fucking chill fucking the dogs are awesome. yeah uh fuck yeah dude i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm kind of all over the place no right? man that's I mean, awesome no you made me think about him and i'm he's he's i had had him like fucking like 15 years ago and it's like man i kind of miss uh, him yeah. now <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. i had a dog i had a a key sound named Tootsie. I named it because uh, remember they used to have those tubes of Tootsie Rolls? Yeah. When she was a puppy, she got into that and ate all the oh, Tootsie shit. Rolls and shit all over the house. So we named her Tootsie. That dog was hella smart, man. But it, it couldn't stop killing skunks because we had a big-ass backyard. And every so often, like once every few months, it would just come back reeking of skunk, right? It'd be all, eh. And we'd have to like bathe it in tomatoes sauce and yeah man that that dog was so smart man i loved that dog I had a purple tongue and i used to say um well whatever i believed in god i'd say you know as soon as i get up to heaven the first thing i'm gonna do is call my dog tootsie like because the way we call her we'd be like what's like that yeah. <laughs> first thing when i was a little kid as soon as i get the head on i'm gonna be like what yeah, yeah. I, I haven't thought of that in a long time that's awesome um yeah 
Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and switch over to derailed. This is five random questions about Jeff, you as a person. This is such a bizarre. You wanted to be all serious, and I'm being all goofy. I'm sorry. No, no, this is totally fucking awesome. Um, What do you feel is the biggest violation of privacy? You know, America is pretty good about leaving us alone. You know what I mean? Like, for the most part, you know, the government leaves me alone. The, the, uh, I would say probably like, you know, whenever you're on online, like everything's just like, you know, you do one thing and then, you know, a, a thousand cold calls and junk mail come at you and everybody knows what you got. Like you can tell when you go on Amazon, you're just thinking about it. And what you were thinking about is on Amazon, like, but you know, we all, I'm not just on Amazon. We all love that. I don't know. I think that, uh, I think as long as you're careful and you don't put too much out there, you're pretty cool in America. I mean, compared to a lot of other countries, we're pretty good. You know, I love America. I, you know, as far as people getting in my business, we're pretty good. As long as I don't put it out there. And people are, are actually pretty nice to me too. Like, there's a lot of times where I step in it and say, put my foot in my mouth. And, and people are usually pretty kind about that. You know what I mean? I right. Know, probably just the bots, you know, the bots, the bots. Yeah, the I, bots I suck, especially that, on Twitter. That, I know I should say that the man is always looking down my neck, but, I, you know, I'm out in the country, man. So I just, I'm in the sticks. So. For sure, man. Okay. Um, describe your sense of humor in one word. Oh, well, I don't laugh out loud. That's kind of a fun fact. I don't know why. I just, I'll chuckle. But I don't laugh out loud. But I will literally cry because I'm so, like, laughing inside. You know, those happy tears. But uh, I, I like kind of bizarre humor. I like things that are just, like, like kind of brass tacks, like common sense funny, you know? And, uh, I like Monty Python. Nice. Young ones. Uh, but uh, I like it when, you know, like whenever I'm hanging out with the band and my band members are super clever. Like the banter is fucking real. So I'll be in my room in the bus and I'll, I'll listen to them go back and forth. Right. And like they will shoot back like insults so fast and so funny and so like realistic i i, I trip off my band like my band is funny as hell man yes like, straight up yeah so i like that and i like the band humans. yeah i do too and we're that way too so like if i were to say my sense of humor in one word would be fucked <laughs> yeah uh, because yeah because of all of that too like going you know, doing just like a weekend or you're doing fucking, a, you know, five hour away shit, right? And fucking just being like, oh, fuck, blah, blah, blah. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You know, and he's like, meh, yeah, meh, yeah. meh. And it's like, oh, you want in on this too? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and there's only three of us. So, yeah. so we're hitting oh, each sure. other from all angles. And it's like, oh, you whatever, really gotta, bird. You really got to know what you're doing with only three people. What's that? There's no faking it with a trio. Oh, fuck no. Not at all. Yeah, you got to hear that out. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to be sober. <laughs> Do you believe subliminal messages actually exist? Uh, I do believe that people have a conscious 
I, I, I think that if, unless you're a fucking sociopath, you know the difference between right and wrong. And if you're if you're a follower and not a leader, and you're being something that you really that disagrees with you on the inside, that's going to knot you, and it's going to come out like you know certain sense of paranoia, and it's an injustice to yourself, right? So I think paranoia is kind of there's several forms of paranoia, of course, but I think that if you're doing injustice to your core belief then that's going to kind of cycle out as paranoia. Definitely. Yeah, I see see what you're saying. I see the parallel with it. And I agree because, yeah, if you are doing an injustice to anything, that, yeah, it is going to cycle out as paranoia. And you are going to see things in that, whether it's, you know, you it's like reading too much into the detail that's not really there. Yeah, and worrying about what people think, you know. Oh, for sure. That, that, yeah, like, I want people to like me, but if they don't like me, they can go fuck themselves. Like, straight up. You know? Definitely. Um, what does mental health mean to you? Well, we weren't allowed to be, um, we weren't allowed to be, uh, have mental health when I was growing up. So, uh, like, we're old school, like, uh, but I think that, um, that I joke about it, but I think that, uh, back in my day, it was tragic because people would just have to suffer with it. I think that more and more it's being less stigmatized and, um, and that's a good thing. But that being said, we can be mighty stupid too. Like I see a lot of people that just brush off people's um, pain and anxiety. They don't relate to it because maybe they don't have it or they won't admit that they have it. And I think that people, um, it makes them socially awkward. And I think that a lot of people with mental health problems get ostracized and that kind of like snowballs it. But but I think that more and more that kids are kind of waking up and the kids are really teaching the adults that it's okay to like, say, hey, you know, I'm not okay. And I think that's important, you know. It used to be super stigmatized. And so I think that, like, a lot more these days, um, you know, it's a lot better than it was back in my day, for sure. Right. What what I do is I take my problems and I put them down in this little box on my soul and I forget about them until they eat me up inside. So, no. Right. Well, (laughs) which is interesting, too, because... You know, it's like a a parallel of history here where you're saying how the kids are teaching the adults, you know, kind of thing like that. But it's like, you know, the the young adults today, like the, you know, the 15 to 25 year olds that are that are really doing all this and saying, hey, this is not cool. You know, I kind of feel was the same way with like previous generations like the fucking hippies to the fucking their generation before them they were saying hey this is not fucking cool and oh yeah well i mean I, like i said i grew up in a one of the, you know the san francisco bay area which is you know very cosmopolitan very a lot of people call it liberal but i think it's just educated you know mm-hmm. i think without education um you know comes to confidence you know where uh you know 
not really afraid what people think, you know, and, and it, to me, like the greatest thing in life is to like make people feel better or, you know, as an entertainer, you want to entertain them, like I'm saying. And um, a lot of times people come to me with their mental health problems, their problems. And, you know, it just kills me when I don't have the right answers because, you know, I'm just a fucking metalhead. But, you know, like hopefully, you know, people are just happy to see me and that brings them some sort of respite. But like, yeah, I mean, if you if you or anybody has mental health problems, definitely, you know, there's all kinds of resources out there and and uh, you should deal with that because, uh, like I say, uh, there's yeah, definitely a be- it's definitely a better members. thing today. Yeah, I've lost seven band members in my bands. Yeah, for uh, you know addictions, and mental health reasons, and suicide, and uh, things like that. And uh, you know, I've definitely been to some very very dark places, and I've been to such dark places that people just shunned me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I was just like, literally like begging somebody to help me and just it's really cool like when whenever you're up you know your friends are all gathered around but when you're down you're like pariah dude like right and that that that's that's like mental health to me in a nutshell is it's fucked up because you get to that dark place where you can't help yourself and uh yeah luckily i had my father to, to keep pulling me out of the dirt you know and so I got very, very blessed in that way. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, Jeff, I have one more question for you, but always links are listed below. So please give likes, shares, follows, go, uh, you know, when they're on tour, go fucking see them because fuck yeah. Uh, that's going to be fucking amazing. Go buy the fucking new stuff when it comes out. Go listen to the fucking old shit because it's all fucking awesome. Fucking this has been such a rad fucking conversation, dude. I I appreciate you. Uh, Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody today? Uh, I I just, um, you know what I'm leaving on. uh, I think my first gig is what on the 6th of next month, December. Uh, So I have posted all our shows on bandsintown.com uh, and uh, get your tickets now because they're selling out. We have very limited VIP packages. If that's if you want to meet me in person and get special merch and everything like that. But you know me, I'm not in the audience meeting everybody anyway. But it gets so hectic when I go out there. Right. You because know, that, you know, it's kind of nicer when, when you, can, you can have a moment. And, um, and this is a guaranteed but, meet. Yeah, it's a guaranteed meet, which, uh, it's you know it's almost a shame I have to do that. I wish I could just you know, but it's not like that anymore. You go out there and it's just like there's too much going on. But but I love meeting people. I love talking. You know me. I I talk to I talk to supporters and fans all day every day. Like mm-hmm. because I like I say, man. Whenever I was alone, I was very alone. And now that I'm not alone, I'm gonna take advantage of that and uh, have all those friendships that I didn't have for those five years. You know so. Absolutely, dude. And, you know, it, and it's because I'm a fucking metalhead through and through. I always have been. And, you know, I'm a carny. I'm fucking a road warrior, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And fucking, it's just like I'm there. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm a caretaker of the scene. 
of metal. You know, yeah, yeah. That's why I that's do this. Though. That's why I do the podcast, and that's why, you know, I you have, I have your you have your finger on the pulse of metal. Yeah, exactly, and I love it. it, it, it but I but I do it, it from the the no bullshit fucking no clickbait fucking garbage because you know I'm forever fucking like thrashing on fucking Loudwire and metal sucks, and I'm like. Come on, guys, get off the fucking clickbait, fucking. Bro, I I comment on the most random posts. Like, <laughs> I'm totally addicted to the internet. I, I like you know because they didn't have all that shit. When, like, I remember when when um I had one of the first cell phones. It was like a big suitcase. Remember those? Mm-hmm. There's big suitcase batteries with that big ass phone. You know? Yeah. It was like you were like Don Johnson or something. <laughs> I remember before when the microwave was invented when remote control was invented. I remember my remote control on my black and white TV where it would spin, you'd have to adjust it. It was, the remote was hooked to, remember like the phone cords on the pay phones that had the metal wrapper yeah. on them? It had a cord hooked to the fucking TV on the remote control with that metal wrap around it. I was like, man, yeah, mankind, like what, look how advanced we are. I remember when the electric typewriter they put the like the little white tape that the um what do they call that the the correct the correction tape white out so if you, you yeah it, but it was like a little piece of tape on an yes. electric yeah it was like a ball and if you made a mistake you just hit delete you'll go back and put a little square of, of white adhesive over the I was like will man's genius never cease you know like <laughs> and then and then when the cell phone came out it was like what like there was just leaps and bounds. So it, it's all to, like, like I was just recording on bands in town, right? I was like, this is so much easier because, like, how many times have you? Had, we used to take the Walkmans and, and record into the Walkmans for reference. Mm-hmm. But now you can have two hundred tracks if you want on your fucking iPhone and do vocals or whatever, right? And music, and I literally sing my vocals to the, you know, the the mic on the earbud. And I'm like, and it works just so I can show As the a guys reference. What I'm yeah. Doing. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I love technology. Man. Absolutely. No. And I'm such a Luddite, but I'm growing, you know, I'm growing. For sure, dude. I, I'm not I'm not like Mr. Pro Tools. I mean I executive produced the last album. I mean I know my way around, but I like the the little like I like to like feel like I'm like a you're the like the little you're, you're the starship you know? captain. You're yeah. you're you're Kirk, and you're fucking telling everybody else, okay, drop drop this in here and do this right here, and that's fucking it, and let's hear it. Yeah, well, I mean, executive producer by definition just means that you manage three sources of funding or more. Yes, you know? <laughs> so, right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, I, I'm actually I'm actually pretty good with all that stuff. Hell yeah, man! All my guys are all my so, guys are really good at everything. So it's good. So my final question: When was the moment that you realized that you had to be in a band? Okay, I remember this clear as a bell. We uh, used to practice down in our basement because. Um, uh, I played, well, my dad forced me, my parents forced me to take classical lessons as a kid, classical guitar lessons. I used to hate it. 
but that's where I learned to read music and everything. And, uh, and so, you know, I was playing that me and my sister would go to guitar lessons, and carry our guitars. We'd have to walk all the way around East Bluff and do our lessons and come home and then practice. I remember the smell of the inside of the, the guitar case and the wood, the, the mahogany. And I, I always kind of liked that. And then, and my dad, he plays a uh, piano, like a, he's like a, Mexican Elvis. He's like Elvis. And uh, my mom was in the Richmond Symphony as a first-year violinist. And so I grew up in a town or in a family where, you know, like on holidays, we, we Christmas, we played, you know, you know, together, you know, as a family. And my dad had this awesome record collection that I'd go through. it, And so I wanted to be in a rock band very early in life, you know, like when I was listening to, you know, you, uh, like um, you know, Louis Strauss, you know, UFO, more Chuck Berry, even right. back then, the fifties, you know, Elvis and stuff like that. I was like, I always just wanted to be. I, I used to sleep every night in my bed with a giant, like six foot long poster of Led Zeppelin, and just be like, man, I want to be like Jimmy Page or Robert Plant. Like, I just want to be in a band, but I can't fucking play. So I, I got an electric guitar and started playing and. And I met up with uh, my buddy from from um, my buddy. We we're just little kids. We we're like eleven years old. He had a band, and uh, I was like, "Let's start a band." Right? He was a drummer. That was my. He later on went to Blind Illusion, like minor. And so then we saw this one guy, this hippie guy, walking around with a strap cat case all the time, and very long hair, and that turned out to be Larry Lalonde, you know, from Possessed and Primus. Right. Like, hey, you play guitar? So we questioned. He's got a guitar. And he's like, yeah, you want to start a band? Sure, sure, sure. So then we got another guy, Danny Bowen. And we are just jamming down in the basement. And my sister comes in. She's like, yeah, guys, I got you your first gig. I was like, oh, shit. Because we're just like pretending down there. like, Because, you know, like when you're reading a book and you see the pictures, yeah. I still do that when I'm on stage. Like, I'll be like in hell. Then I'll wake up and like see people banging. And then I'll like envision like whenever I'm playing, like I'm seeing all that shit. Like, like like I'm reading a book, and so so it was very terrifying because I've always had huge stage fright. But to step out because you love the craft so much that even though you're terribly stage fright back then, horrible stage fright. Right? Uh, we played. She said, "I got you a, a gig at Mike DeShane's Kager party." These were like the older kids, like the kind of like biker kids, you know, the stoners, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so we set up a piece of plywood on the front lawn of this little house that was in El Sobrani and all the kids were around smoking and the cakes and and we started out paranoid and blacks out and like we are little kids like literally like my P base I, I was like crucified because it was so big it was like this <laughs> you know? and and uh I remember our 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 singer Steve Gibb, rest in peace, uh he got paranoid on paranoid ironically and he just kept repeating finish with my woman because she couldn't help me with my mind finish with my woman <laughs> and uh, i was like so embarrassed like oh we fucked it up we fucked because it just matters like like as an artist like like sometimes you're like oh i fucked it up and people are like that's great right so we ended it and then like there's a brief silence they're like fuck yeah these little kids are rad right I was like, oh man, this is it, man. This is it. I was the RSS shit. I was the, the that the and all and be all, like we we're talking about, right? 
I was like, this is what I want to do, man. This is all I'm going to do. And no matter what, just relentlessly, people were like, my parents and my family and my friends are like, you got to do, you got to have a backup plan, Jeff. Like, you know, there's no way you're going to make it music. I was like, fuck that, I'm all in, right? That's all I ever thought about. Like, and I think that's what it takes, man. You got you to be on the tightrope with no fucking net. You know what I mean? And you just got to go fucking boss the wall, all or nothing, or it won't work, man. And you got to have a hell of a lot of luck. But then we just played gig, and then we got another gig, and another gig, and another gig, and you build up that, that local community, you know, with, like, you know, it's just about a little ahead of its time, very noisy. Like, it would be like if you took death metal back then with nothing, no context, really. It was right. just boom in your face. People are like, whoa, you know, like walking out, rolling their eyes, giggling, laughing, making fun of us and shit. You sound like a fucking barking dog. It's just fucking noise. You can't understand what you're saying. Like, and, um, and, but then like the hardcore punks and my friends that I, I used to party with and stuff were up front and that little following grew and grew and grew and just play local shows until you get your local following. And that, that I didn't mean to demean the San Francisco area because the, the following that we had then was hardcore, right? Right. And that hardcore, one person tells that person that turns into three and, and it's just, it's, um, it's exponential growth, right? For sure. And, and so that's what it took. And I just, I, I just looked forward to every gig. And, and even to this day at 55, all I think about is the next show, the next song, the next album, you know, and that's really what um, I never have to think what I'm going to do that day. I always know it's like a dope fiend. Like dope fiends are not lazy. They know exactly what they're going to do that day. They're mm-hmm. going to wake up, they're going to go figure a way to scan some dope, right? Right. But with music are that way too. You wake up and you're like, I know exactly what I have to do. I have to figure out, you know, I have to practice my lyrics, I have to write some, you know, and it's just, it's always driven, always work all the time you know and i love that i i need my life to have that kind of like chaotic structure you know where it's just you you know like you say you're the ringmaster there's i don't believe in the the masters and the bosses i never bought into that oh well she's got the manager tag therefore i will call her boss and bow to her i i can't be like that i just i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that it's just not how my mind works like i will hamstring a normal job, fashion and shit, every single time. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But with uh, yeah, but with um, metal, like there's a lot more leeway. Like it's really hard to fuck up. You know, like yeah, because it matters to you, and if people matter, you don't want to let them down. And I just love that. I don't know what what I'm saying, but I just I just love music. No, for sure. And that's it. From me, I kind of I kind of avoid that same thing of like, you know how people sit there and say like, I need my eight hours of, of like sleep and shit like that. Um, I'm very much that way with my, my music life. I'm like, I need my 18 hours a day of it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, cause I'm like, yeah. what to do. I stay next? up at night too. Cause I, I sleep at like King diamond said, uh, you know, daytimes for sleeping. It's so true for me. Cause I'm an insomniac. I fucking hate sleep. Right. Like I hate, I think that it's like, if there was a God, it's like the, the silliest curse. It's like, oh, you're going to 
more than a quarter of your life, you're just going to be out while the whole world keeps on moving, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I sleep once every 48 hours. Like normally, every two to three days, I'll sleep and I'll sleep for like four hours and then I'll wake up and then maybe I'll sleep for an hour later. Now I'm like a cat. You know, like I never just, I never just sleep for, I, I can't remember the last time I just slept eight hours. You know? Right. Like I just, I just wake up and like be on the media, play my bass, fucking write some lyrics, practice lyrics, fucking, you know. But it's weird. Like I feel like I should be a lot better. <laughs> like I think like a, yeah, it, like I'm saying, if, if I can do it, anybody can. Because, you know, I literally, my job is yelling over good music. And <laughs> I, get paid, I get paid for yelling. I, I just destroy, I destroy perfectly good music. Yeah, isn't that all of our jobs in metal? <laughs> I mean, for she the most part. so fucking weird. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I like, always say metal high. is that guesswork so and cut weird. off black sleeves. Is, don't you think death metal is weird and thrash metal? It's so weird. Yeah, they like, all are. I mean, I mean, uh, we're all we're all interesting people, you know. That's what I love about it because we all have our quirks. And, yelp, you know, that inner fucking beast, you know, like yeah, like, like I never met Bailoff, but I oh, I was cool. I'm a big dude in the metal scene. Not like big, like like I'm not saying. I'm a I'm a bigger guy, right? Like heavy guy, uh, and it and like kind of remind me. Uh, I'm like I feel like Bailoff in my scene, you know? Like hey, <laughs> I'm I that was big, just crazy thinking guy. about that. Therefore, uh, yesterday I actually texted Gary Holt. I said, "Yeah, I was writing these new lyrics, and just one word, I it just sounded just like Paul Bailoff." I said, "At this point, Paul's part of my DNA, I think, because." You know, how many nights have we worshipped at the altar of Holt? And, like, right. when we were growing up, I would crawl out my window, take a bus, hitchhike, ride my skateboard, ride my bike, fucking steal a car, whatever, to get down to Ruthie's and either play with Exodus or watch Exodus play or watch Metallica play. or And we had some mighty shows, like an Exodus, Possessed, Merciful Fate shows, you know, shit like that. Oh, yeah. And so... So like yeah man, and and now it's it's even better now like it's crazy the bands that are playing together it's like I don't know man it's just I think that this is like I know I say this a lot but this is the golden age of death metal man this is like like it's like the golden age of jazz like to the layman death metal all sounds Cookie Monster and, and the same like people who can't differentiate. Venom from Slayer from Possessed, which are two completely separate, different kinds of bands. Right. You know, but to people like us, we can see like these Ozzard tentacles of bands. Like you have so many flavors of death metal. Death metal is no longer one thing. It's so many things. It's countless things. Like, well, yeah, just, because you have yeah. different eras of it and you have different dial it's yeah. like a dialect even exactly you have the like florida, florida. The, 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 you have the, the asians the incantations suffocation inhalations you have the ohio which these kids are going off the chain mm -hmm. uh like and just doing their own thing like most of those kids probably don't even know who fucking possessed is like they're very much 
having their own dialogue going on there. Yeah, so I think Kentucky, this, man. I think, Kentucky death is fucking something else. Yeah. I mean... And it's, I look up to those bands. I look up to a lot of their younger bands. Like, because... You know, uh, I, Indiana always, fucking death fucking shit. Dude, we have a lot yeah, of, yeah. like, black thrash around here, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big hyphenated fan. Like, I want death metal to be death metal, but, like, the biggest genre of death metal. When you hyphenate it, it chops it up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would rather death metal be so much more things than to hyphenate it. You know For I mean? sure. Like, but, you know, it happens. So No, absolutely. Dude, yeah. Jeff, thank you so fucking much for this. This has been awesome. Black fucking Friday with fucking Possessed. On the way out today, anything from your catalog of music from Possessed, what do you want to play out? Oh, no, wait. No Will to Live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you heard him. This is from Possessed. No Will to Live.
2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth.
Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com bigcartel.com What's up Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. 
Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana is the premier 12,500 square foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family-owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner, Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to rock school, weekend warriors, and Maxwell's Music Lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero Throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason 
The Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design, as well as top 100 music store year after year. You gotta see it to believe it. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana. (laughs) 